All right, what's happening? It's the Safe House Podcast. It's your man, Pastor Ferguson, with my boy, Mitchell Harper. What's going on, bro? What's going on? Good to be back. Good to be back. I've seen you too much this week, I think. Man, too much? (laughs) Man, shoot, it is your privilege to see me, man. Shoot. (laughs) In all my glory, what are you talking about? (laughs) So, if you have not figured it out by now... (laughs) We we are we are friends around here. It's not just doing a podcast. We actually get along. And yes, he is correct. We have seen each other a lot over this last week. Um, a lot of things have happened, but it's just good to be together here on this Wednesday evening with all of you in person and online. Remember, remember, this is important. If you are online with us, here's what you need to do. You need to go ahead and share right now. Share, share, share. share. If you're on Facebook, share. If you're on YouTube, share it because somebody needs to hear what we're going to talk about tonight. Man. I promise. Oh, and make sure for all of you that are looking for notes, please go to the description that is on our page, that is on the video, and you can download the notes for this evening. Promise you, they may help you, but if you know anything about us, we may not hit everything on there. <laughs> so just hang out with us a little bit. It'll be a blessing to you. That's our prayer. Just by way of announcement, as always, we're on about 6.30-ish every Wednesday, except for next week. Next week, we will not be on because it is Ash Wednesday. It's Valentine's Day. And there's no way I'm going to be blocking those that are trying to do their thing on Ash Wednesday or on Valentine's Day. So enjoy yourself with a week off and make sure that you make it a good week off. At the same time, we'll be back on the 21st, same time, same back channel. But we will be in worship like always every Sunday, 10 a.m. online and in person, 293 East Barthman Avenue, Columbus, Ohio, 43207 online, on our pages, on YouTube, and on Facebook, Facebook being Claire UMC Online Church. So as always, we're always in the loop, and we're always here for you. Um, Tonight, we're going to begin kind of a tight series, and it's going to probably require a lot of prayer. (laughs) So And uh, grace. Prayer, grace, and understanding, and hopefully... With the potential tension, there will be something learned from it all over the next few weeks. So, uh, Mitchell, if you could open us up in prayer, and we'll get started tonight. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing us to gather and allowing us to show up authentically as ourselves, as our full selves um, created in your image, Lord, and 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 unapologetically ourselves, Lord, and um, as we dive into your word today, have it speak to us in in the way that each of us individually needs to hear it and the way that collectively we need to hear it, Lord. So open our minds and allow us to have a spirit of cooperation and collaboration as we uh, have a conversation. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So um, we're dealing with the idea of words from modern prophets mm. um, over the next few weeks. And um, I think that um, I think that we're in a space where one is Black History Month, but at the same time, 
um, I think a lot of times we don't take the time to dig into what a lot of things that have been said in the past really mean. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we gloss over so much stuff because of the of the relevance and the difficulty that comes with things that have been said in the past. That sounds like most church. And here's the interesting thing. If we're doing this thing right, I believe as believers, if we're doing this thing right, I don't think we should be coming out with more answers. But if we're really about growth, we should be coming out with more questions. We should be coming out with more time to be inquisitive, to really think about where we are. And I think one of the tensions of being a believer, especially in 2024, is that we're running up on some intersections. Mm, Yeah. Being in the United Methodist Church, there's this aspect of dealing with social justice. Been there for years. Yeah. It's not a new thing. It's not not even a not is it's been around good hundreds of years. But a lot of people haven't dealt with it. Mm-hmm. At the same time, there are people now that take their faith and they have the tendency to say that social justice is not a Christian or a Jesus idea. And I tend to believe that people that believe that have not really paid attention to Jesus at all. Mm -hmm. Because everything that Jesus did was very much against the empire, very much opposed to the continual um, disenfranchisement of the malign. So it makes the words of many different voices of the past come about with some very unique perspectives. So just to give y'all an update in advance of what we're going to be dealing with this month, I I sat with God. I'm, I'm, I just got to give this because it, I got to give this a proper introduction. Mm-hmm. I sat with God for real. And I said, you know, we got to talk about some things. But I don't want to just talk about stuff just off of my head. I I know there have been voices that have spoken about a lot of these things. So a lot of what we're going to talk about for the next three episodes are going to be based off of the speeches of three particular men in this situation in black history that are very prominent. And um, like I said, it's going to be a little bit tight and it's going to require some grace (laughs) and it's going to require some understanding and it's going to require every one of us to really consider not what was said in a context as much as how the word and these words speak to us now. Mm -hmm. So there are three M's we're going to be dealing with in the next three episodes. Tonight, 
We're going to deal with the one that's considered to be most palatable, Martin <laughs> Luther King Jr. In two weeks, we're going to deal with Marcus Garvey. And then the last Wednesday of this month, we're going to deal with Malcolm X. And I'm dealing with very specific speeches. Um, Tonight is actually the last Sunday sermon that MLK preached, which was in D.C., um, entitled Remaining Awake Through a Great Revolution. That's kind of the basis. Next, the next episode we have in two weeks, the speech by Marcus Garvey that came about is called Look for Me in the Whirlwind. And then the last one from Malcolm X. <laughs> and watch this one. Watch how, Why would I pick this one? The ballot or the bullet? And guess where he talked about this? At Quarry United Methodist Church in Cleveland, Ohio. Yes, they had Malcolm <laughs> at Corey. <laughs> so there is significance to all three. And there is scriptural context to all three. But tonight, the title, of course, tonight is basically this, Don't Fall Asleep. Don't fall asleep through what? Don't fall asleep through a great revolution. And we're in the midst of one. I would say another one. Um, we have a whole generation that is wanting to see not just the fulfillment of promises made, but a greater share of what has been and what should be to come mm -hmm. from the things of the past. And one of the challenges that we face is that there are a lot of people, past, present, and future, that find themselves asleep at the wheel. They find themselves asleep at the wheel because of change. They find themselves asleep at the wheel for a lot of reasons. And that sleep is bringing about nothing for them while change is happening every single day. And... King says something to this effect. One of the great liabilities of life is that all too many people find themselves living amid a great period of social change, and yet they fail to develop the new attitudes, the new mental responses that the new situation demands. They end up sleeping through a revolution. Yeah. I wonder how much of that is just like inertia. Like it's 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 not that I'm opposed to this particular change. I'm just so caught up in being comfortable in what it already it like it's it's not that I'm opposed to what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. It just happens to be I don't I only want I only don't want to do it because it's different. Not because I'm against it just weird i just don't like change hmm. but think about this as believers mm -hmm. just just straight up as believers we we say to ourselves 
that we serve a God that is first the creator of all things. Mm -hmm. And because God is creator, that means that God not only knows how it ought to work, but if it is not working, God still knows how to what? Create greater, which is why the two scriptures from this sermon mm -hmm. serve as our focal points for tonight. I know on the on our um, flyer, on our um, it just had the scripture of Revelation twenty one five, but there's also Second Corinthians five seventeen. So if we put them together, here we here's what we have in Revelation twenty one five. And he who was sitting on the th seated on the throne said, "Behold, I am making all things new." Also, he said, "Write this down for the for these words are trustworthy and true." But then in Second Corinthians five seventeen, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We are literally living in a space where God is already saying, <laughs> even, as, even as believers, the former thing should be gone. Who you were, what you were, those who are in Christ, you're a new mm -hmm. creation. I am not what I used to be. That's new. <laughs> That's newness. And if we want to take it a step further, because of, because of the fact that we are in Christ, we're always growing in grace, which means that even as we grow, we're not the same person we were before. I don't believe the same way I believe. My faith doesn't, it's not activated in the same way it's always been. It's not the same process. It is not the same this and that. So we are constantly living in a state of newness because of the God that is what? Creator. Just because God created everything didn't mean that God stopped being creator. Mm -hmm. Right? And then when we deal with Revelation, behold, I am making all things new. John the Revelator says, behold, I see a new heaven and a new earth, <laughs> right? Like everything in this unveiling, mm -hmm. because, you know, people say it's an apocalyptic book, but apocalypse really means unveiling. Right. Okay, everybody gets scared when they hear the apocalypse. No, it is the unveiling. It's, just a, yeah. it's an unveiling. <laughs> it's a revelation. <laughs> right. It's, it's right there. Revelation is a, it's an unveiling. It's an apocalypse. It is an unveiling. So the unveiling is of what? Newness. Mm -hmm. And people get scared because they think they're not going to see the new. No. The revelator says, I see a new heaven and a new earth. How can you see a new heaven and a new earth unless you're connected to the God that says what? Behold, I'm making what? All things new. Right? So if God is always 
in a st- it, it it would appear that God is in a constant state of creating. Mm. Yes. It would appear, just, just on the level, it would appear that God is in a constant state of creating. Then what's our problem? Speak freely. You're laughing, so speak freely. <laughs> I mean, where, 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 where do I start? <laughs> I mean, because, I mean, because he... We don't like change. We don't like certain things, but yet we serve a God that is always creating. And this is something, now mind you, I've been to seminary and everything like this. This would be a great debate. Some people would be like, no, the creative nature of God is at least on pause. Some people would say that. Based on what? Because people's idea of creation has to have a beginning and an ending. Uh-huh. Okay. So you got that, and then you got people that believe that creation is only something tangible. Yeah. And that creating a new thing is only about tangibility. Creation is not just about tangibility. Because if it was just about tangibility, then yeah, there's a limitation. But behold, I'm making all things new. If I am in Christ, I am a new creation. What does that mean? Do I think like I used to think? That's new thought. (laughs) The way if someone approaches me in a certain way and I don't choke them for approaching me that way, that's really a new thought. (laughs) Right? I don't cuss you out on sight because you called me something out of my name. That's new. (laughs) I saw somewhere I read, um, we're we're not being recycled. Yes. We're not being rehabilitated. Yes. We are we are new. We are brand new. And I think there's that difference. Well, I'm always going to be No, like like you die to yourself daily so you can be born again new every day. And that sounds like something you have to actively choose to live into every single day. Yes. And I think that's a challenge for people because they they feel that when they've reached a certain point, that's just it. Right. When they've reached, let's let's run down the list. When you reach a certain age, that's just it. Mm-hmm. No. When you reach a certain point in life, that's just it. No. I got my degrees. I got. Shh. Yeah. No, like no, that's not it. That is not maximizing everything that is within you. You are not approaching life the same way you did yesterday. Mm-hmm. That's new. <laughs> if Behold, all things have become new. Now, put it in a context of revolutionary thought. Okay? I'm about to say something that I said Sunday. This particular individual that we are discussing the very words from, from this sermon that was preached at the National Cathedral. Uh, cathedral, yeah. This was his last Sunday sermon and was preached in D.C. at the National Cathedral. What was it, March 31st? Yes. 1968? And he died four days later. Yep. Here's, he brought up the example of Rip Van Winkle. Mm. Rip Van Winkle, the story is that Rip Van Winkle was asleep for 20 years. When he went to sleep, he had a picture of, what was it, King George the Third. And when he woke up, 
he had a picture of George Washington. Now, first of all, I know it was a fictional story. It had to be fictional. Because number one, how are you going to sleep for 20 years? I'm trying to get on that program. Number two, number two, you sleep for 20 years. What is going into your body that allows you to survive for 20 years? Let's talk about what, what he put in his body to sleep for them 20 years first. Right. I had to go back and read the story and was like, oh, he just he was drinking the, the good stuff and put him out for 20 for, years. For 20 years. <laughs> then, then you got to consider if he had a picture of a king when he went to sleep, but then he woke up with a different picture. Who put the picture in his hand? So, so what happened was because I'm a nerd, I read this. I read. Go ahead. I had never read this. I had never. This story is older than dirt, and right. I've never actually read it all the way through. So, what it was is there was an inn in the town that he would go to, and all the men would go to and sit and do what men do in front of buildings and whatever, you know, talk like they got some sense. And on the inn, they had a big picture of King George or King Charles or whoever it was. And when he came back from the mountain after he'd slept for 20 years, they had a different picture. There you go. And he came down. He's like, well, I'm a, I'm a loyal subject of, of King George. And they were like, oh, this dude, he, he doesn't even understand that we just fought a whole war over this. So, yeah. So people will literally sleep through change. Mm -hmm. And when they finally wake up, they're only loyal to what they went to sleep with. Yep. Which means that it is understandable how things don't move forward. And they don't move forward because people are not prepared for that kind of change. So is it is it a desire to just be comfortable? Is it is it a That it, have you convinced yourself that there's no reason to change? Like, like you said, like I've reached the point where I don't really need to do any more edifying. I don't need to do any more growth. I don't need to do any more work. I don't, whatever. So, like, is it is it fear? Is it stubbornness? Is it both? Is it just not knowing how to move forward? Like, like what what causes that? That's a good question. Why would we pose that to everybody that's online? If you heard the question. Say it again. Say it again. What what causes that inability for us to engage with change, to accept change, to at least pretend like it's okay? <laughs> hmm. So we can put that out in the in the in the ether for all of you online and for those of you that are with us. What what do you think what do you think causes that? What do y'all think? There's two ways that that could happen. One, uh, in our main, in our seas today, we have what you call the blowfish. And certain th certain pieces of that blowfish, you take it apart, and actually you can stick somebody and put them to sleep for three days. <laughs> and then, you know, if you know of a person that constantly do it, you know, he can sleep that long. Second of all, uh, the, 
Egypt, the people that uh, put the oil on God uh, to reserve the skin. Okay, if you remember, what was on that piece of cloth? The fa the body of front and back of Jesus. So that means that you can uh, uh, preserve a body in oil that was created back then. That's oh, you you're talking about the the shroud. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm thinking of the lack of change because people still they they can be wide awoke and still sleep. That's say that one more time. They say. can be wide awoke and still sleep. So that means so unpack unpack it a little bit more because we no go ahead go ahead I want you to I want to yeah we want to hear what you have to say we want to hear what you got to say mm -hmm. to unpack it um you'll be wide awake. And yet sleep. What do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is while all the change is going on, people is just sleeping through it, even though they're awake and just don't want to face the change or do the change. I can dig that. Don't want to face the change. That's a good word right yeah. there. See, that's they don't want to face the change. Here, here's another here's another excerpt from the sermon, because that, that's why I want, I want you to hear this excerpt, because, of course, King is dealing with in the sermon about, of course, dealing with racism, dealing with economic issues, dealing with all the things that he was normally dealing with, right? Here's, I think this is the piece that might step out of there. Let me see if I can find you real quick. Oh, did I lose it that fast? I couldn't have lost it that fast. All right, here it is. One is the myth of time. Mm. It is the notion that only time can solve the problem of racial injustice. And there are those who often sincerely say to the Negro and his allies in the white community, why don't you slow up? Stop pushing things so fast. Only time can solve the problem. And if you, and if you will just be nice and patient and continue to pray, in 100 or 200 years, the problem will work itself out. That is talking about a specific issue. Mm -hmm. Now, I'll extract from that a little bit further. A lot of the things that we're dealing with, not just, we can talk about the social stuff. Racism, sexism, every ism and schism in the world, people always talk about, just give it time. Just give it time. Just give it time. Just give it time. We ain't got time. All right, church. Wait, wait. All right, church folk. Here we go. Because I know all the lingo, and see, see the worst. Look, the worst thing that God ever did to the church was allow me to become a preacher. Because is it not because because I, I've seen too much and heard too much. Here's the thing: the same lingo, the same lingo mm -hmm. that I just put out there about social issues, been in the church for years. Give it a minute. 
We ain't wait. We ain't ready. We ain't prepared. We 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 can't handle this. And it's always a matter. Anyway, it's always a matter. Not in the the context of how we normally say this phrase. It's always a matter of time. Mm-hmm. When the real statement is, it's always an issue of time. People want to talk about time as if it is an eternal quality, an eternal asset. It is not, not on this side. We have a finite amount of time to deal with things. And unfortunately, because we're not living into a state of urgency, we never push things that need to be pushed, and we never push forward the things that need to get us to what are the promises of God and the promises of a better future. We, we, always, we, always, find a way, we always find a way to talk ourselves out of what God promised us. Yeah. I, uh, I, was, I listened to the speech, uh, and when we, when we were in that, that paragraph, just the phrase that came to me was that you have to, you need to have like an intentionality when engaging with newness. There can be new things around you, right? But until you actively choose to engage in that thing, it's not going to be what it needs to be. And you're not going to get out of it what you need to get out of it. And it doesn't move forward the way it needs to move forward. If you don't actively choose to say, it's, it's just like with COVID, right? Mm-hmm. We've got cameras, we've got computers, but until you actively choose to say, this is how I'm going to do service so that people can have access to worship, it's not going to happen. So the things can exist, but until you choose to engage in it, it's just there. Question. Do you believe that we are either in seconds or milliseconds when it comes to right now i think i think not not to sound like a cop-out but i think there are certain things that are moving much faster than we want them to and there are some things that we just can't seem to build any momentum on so that's not really an answer to your question but i i I think it's i don't know if it's more complicated than that but i don't have an answer i don't know I'm gonna unpack. I'm gonna unpack it by make it make it more complicated. <laughs> great, great swigs water. Okay, you know me. Um, let's consider for a minute something I heard this morning mm-hmm. on um, on one of my favorite sports talk shows. Get up. Mm. I get up early enough to watch. Get up is from eight to ten. Marcus Spears. Better known to many of us as the big swagoo. Swagoo? He said something very profound about Patrick Mahomes. Now, though I am a 49er fan and I am anticipating the opportunity to be celebrating another championship because I still believe in their ability to do a thing. I believe in their ability. I believe in their ability. I'm still a football guy first. He says something about Patrick Mahomes that makes all the sense in the world. And if you've ever played sports, this will click. He said that Patrick Mahomes is playing in such a way that the game is slowing down. 
Correct. For him. Yep. Now, some people be like, what does that mean? You got 60 minutes to play. Time is time. Yeah. Right. Time is time. Mm-hmm. But what he means is, even while he's in the middle of the game, he is he has created such a space with his skill and ability that what seems like lightning speed to most people, mm-hmm. it just seems like it's moving so slow that he can see everything happening unlike anybody else. Mm. In basketball, same thing. When I played, sometimes the game is slowed down. Time is moving, but I'm so calm that it feels like time isn't even moving. And if you've prepared and you're ready, and you're, you, then your ability to process what's happening in front of you, because you've done the work to be in that moment, allows you to live into it in a way that otherwise you wouldn't be able to. So now let's come full circle. When you hear a statement about people saying, slow down, don't push, don't do this, don't do that from a from a place of change, from a place of time, from a place of whatever, could it be that people that are saying all this stuff about slow down, um, if you'll be, I, I, this, this statement almost make you want to want to hurt somebody. If you will just be nice and patient and continue to pray. <laughs> that right there almost made me cuss on air. Yes. But that, but that is literally something that people function in. If you're nice, patient, and you continue to pray. At some point, there ought to be activity in with your faith, right? Because even the Bible says faith without works is dead. Mm-hmm. So my my lack of my lack of being prepared, everything seems fast. But I got the same time as you do. Mm-hmm. Cause there's there's a season for everything. Oh my God. And <laughs> like the show that we all used to watch in the 90s. There's a time to stop being real or it's time to stop being nice and start being real. Mm. And so if if I got to be nice just to get what I'm deserving of, then we got we got a problem already. If you don't have to treat me the same way you expect me to act when you treat me that way. Which then which then brings about which then brings about coming back to the verse. If if these things if we're supposed to so it's like this. If okay, here's a statement that's come in the chat. Change is slow in coming to fruition. So we'd rather suffer with what we're used to than wait for new, the unknown. Mm. 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 Let me add to that. Because that's that's deep. The only reason change is then slow is because we choose to suffer. But I, I would also argue that change being slow isn't always a bad thing if you're using the time to be pr- like, I hate when change happens slow and then people want to act like, well, I didn't know that was happening. It's like it's it's been happening. So so there's a pre- so there's a preparation. Is a pre- there's a preparation to have the capacity to receive it. Yes. That is still progression. Mm-hmm. That is still change in and of itself. Because I cannot. 
I can't do this quote unquote revolutionary thing without taking steps. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, for instance, if I, if the church wants to have 250 members by 2026, mm-hmm. I am not saying that is something that is on the checklist. The expectation list. That's not on there. <laughs> but if somebody said, Pastor, we want to have over 200 folk in regular attendance on Sunday morning, hundred some during the week. We want to we want to grow this thing. Do you know what my first statement is going to be? Are we willing to build the capacity for when it comes? What's Kevin Hart say? Everybody want to be famous, but don't nobody want to put the work in. You have to build out capacity, which means you have to do things differently, which means you're automatically going to have to change in the process of major change. Mm -hmm. Major change in the civil rights movement was moving from just the rights of black people being met to ultimately the demise of King, which was to raise up all the poor. Because it wasn't the March on Washington that got him killed. It was the poor people's campaign. Because now you got to deal with everybody's money. Huh? And when everybody found out, black, white, or indifferent, that we all broke. Yeah. And we can all come together mm-hmm. and, 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 and organize, and then we're going to tell the government, cut us our check. <laughs> we coming to Washington and get our check, bro. Right. <laughs> we are coming with the promissory note, and you are going to honor what you said. That is when, four days later. Mm-hmm. March 31st, this is the sermon. April 4th, (laughs) he gone. Ain't that crazy? He didn't die just because of what he was doing for black folk. It's one thing to go through all that stuff just to get voting rights and all these other things. Yes. But when you start messing with my money and how I get it and how I maintain being superior, that's when you get in trouble, at least in this country. When, when you stop being willing to accept the emptiness of the promise that you know is not a promise. That's right. I'm not going to settle for you saying it's going to be. It's just going to get better. There comes a point where you have to take steps. If you want to see things happen, you've got to do something different. If it's not working this way, you've got to actually say to yourself, what can we do different? That if you keep doing the same thing but want something different, isn't that a sign of insanity? Yes. Isn't that what we've been doing? There's a lot of other signs, but yeah. That's, we'll start there. Yeah, we'll start there. <laughs> is it, 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 wait, insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we have um, we create a, a false sense of, of security when it comes to inevitabilities. We we convince ourselves 
that these things are just going to happen. It doesn't matter. And I, and I think we put a lot of that on God. I don't have to do it. If God wants to make it happen, God will make it happen and blah, 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 blah. And we remove ourselves from the situation because it's, it's inevitable. And God is just going to do what God does. And I don't have to do anything. Um, and then everything will just come out right. Well, see, and then you end up having conversations like I had back in seminary mm. that I still roll my eyes at. When Barack Obama was elected president while I was in seminary, I was, I was, I was in class. No, I was on a break from class the night that they called the election early. Mm-hmm. And my boy called me, and I was in the hallway at Methodist Theological School in Ohio, in Delaware, Ohio, on the evening that it happened, right? And I got the call from my man, Christopher Russi, and he called me and said, it's over. The next week, in class, my white brothers and sisters had the audacity, the unmitigated goal, to suggest that we have now entered into a post-racial society. They said this. It was just gone. We have finally reached a place Oof. where we no longer had to deal with all this drama. And I sat in class, and I looked at them, and I said to I actually opened my mouth, and I said, how in the world can you declare a thing? If you have never walked one mile in my melanated shoes. Mm-hmm. And they had no answer. They're like, well, this, no, because I'm still walking around. I'm still black. And they're going, and then I said, that week, and, it pro- and I hate the fact that it pro- I was proven right, but I said, the day he was elected, the next day, they were going to form the scheme. And people would be like, well, now you're sounding political. No, I've been black for 42 years. Look, I am born into a world with skepticism. I don't care. And, and people, look, look, y'all, y'all pray for me. I'm, 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 really, I'm really at the age now where I'm really, I'm really on edge, but... I've been black all my life. When I see something happen and I keep on seeing the first, the first, the first, the first, the first, do you know what that means to me? We have never been and we will never enter into a post-racial society. Mm. Because I keep on seeing the first. I don't care that there's more in certain areas. I keep on seeing first. And those first often get shouldered with a lot of caveats. Mm-hmm. Well, he wasn't really, or this person is too, you know. Simone Biles, you can't, you can't. Come on, man. You can't do those tricks because not everybody can do those tricks. So. And, bef- and before Simone Biles. They were, I can't even remember the sister's name, but remember in this this could take you back in in um in ice skating. Yes, 
Oh, the girl who's doing the backflips? Yes, sir. They had. To, oh. They said nobody can do backflips. They said that you weren't going to be able to get scored because she was the only one doing them. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? Like, all these things. And guess what people still say then and now? Time will change this. And here is why I refuse to accept that anymore. This is actually why. The revolution is happening and the signs are there. Here's, here's why I won't accept that nonsense. Because the first thing is, I recognize that the creator is always prepared to create again. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Always. It, it doesn't matter what it is. No matter what. Yeah. I, I refuse to accept that this is the only way that a thing is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I refuse to accept the fact that I got to just wait my turn because nobody wants to give me a fair shake. Either you're going to give me the fair shake or I'm going to lean into the God that will create a whole new avenue. Now, here, here's a word. Why do, why do certain entrepreneurs succeed? Not because they flood the same area, but they create in a space where there was nothing there before. Mm-hmm. Jeff Bezos is a billionaire because he created a whole nother thing that started in his garage that nobody believed in, and now most of us can't do nothing without it. Got more boxes coming to your door for stuff you can't even afford. I don't even remember ordering this. What's, what's even coming today? Right. Yeah. Like, how much <laughs> stuff can you buy from Amazon? You can get in. You can get a whole small house, <laughs> and I want one of those. And they will send it to your house. You hear me? They will send it to your house, and it don't take a whole lot of construction. I was gonna right? say, can I can I still get that in two days? Yeah. And wait and wait for it. I got Prime. I just need the money. Yeah. <laughs> so you, so a guy created a whole nother avenue, said, even if you don't believe in me, and the dude's made so much money that he that he went into space just because and doing all kind of... Yo, not, his wife divorced him and became one of the richest people in the world. Yeah. Come on. How does that work? Come on. That's... Be, right, she she create wait and hey, look she created a whole nother avenue for herself. Yep. I support the man who all he had was a garage, a couple phones, and a dream, and he did it. Now we're talking business, but why can't we lean into that with the God that created us? Right. That's my problem. Who shows us time and time again what he what what God is capable of? Yes. What he what God is capable of making, however he he wants to make it, whatever he wants to make it from. Right. And look, well that well that's what people would assume. Right. But the way that they but the way people look at us, right? We say we believe, but we show enough act like we don't by our actions, by the way we approach stuff, by the way we approach one another. I don't see the sacredness in you, so how can I believe in a creator that is intelligent in design? Right. You see, you see what I mean? Yep. So, so when you're dealing with that, you have to go back to the fact that you have 
a greater power in God that is already prepared to create. And what? Wait, wait here is, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. If I know that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, how can I deny how beautiful God can create what? A whole nother thing. The best thing you said, God ain't recycling. God is literally making all things new. Recycling is a concept of ours for the purposes of conservation. Mm. Oh, let me preach for about Oof, 30 yeah. more Here seconds. We go. Here we go. Can I preach for about 30 Let's seconds? Go. Here's a 30-second sermon for you. We need to stop. We need to stop promoting spiritual conservation and promote and promote intelligent creative design by God. You don't come to church to be recycled. You come to church to be what? Designed by the in the image and likeness of God to become all that you are intended to be. And if you can't lean into that, baby, you are not going to find the totality of who you are and what you are. Mm -hmm. With which then leads into the second thing. We got to come to a place in seeing this sign. Here's a sign that we're functioning and living in, that functioning and living in Christ creates an atmosphere for necessary change. Necessary change. In other words, the way that we function, the atmosphere should always be ripe for change. But not just change for the sake of change. Yes. Sometimes change for the sake of change is good, but like, but there's still intentionality. Yes. In engaging with the change. Buzzword. Our 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 mission is making disciples of Jesus Christ. Here's here's the word for here's the big word: the transformation, transformation. of the world. But to be transformative. You have to be transformed, mm -hmm. which means you need to be created. People need to see the created you, not the shoot, the created you, not the recycled you. Come on. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. Conservation, conservation is only good for the environment. Recycling is only good for the environment. I think about I think about Christ in the New Testament when he just tells people, "Your sins are forgiven." <laughs> like, in I I just imagine what that feels like in that moment to be able to just take that next step and be like, all that nonsense that I was doing fifteen minutes ago, I don't <laughs> I don't have to deal with. Like, it's a process still, but like, I've been given an opportunity to be completely. Different, completely different than maybe what I was before. So to to just be brand new and to not feel like it's just because we, we talk about all the time, he's not gonna hold all this old stuff against you. He doesn't forget necessarily. And we don't forget for sure, mm -hmm. but you still get to move forward without the, all of that hanging on off of you it's been cut away it's been burned away it's been stomped out it's been turned to dust mm -hmm. and you get to come forward as something completely transformed 
Right. Now, remember the story of the of the of the man that was blind and Jesus touched him twice. Mm-hmm. Walk around looking like trees. Right, and then he was made whole. Now, if I remember this story correctly, they ended up trying to figure out what caused him to be in the condition he was in in the first place. Is that the one where they're like, is this his father's sin or his? Yes. Okay. All right. And it was nobody's sin. Now, here's, now there's cultural context. Right. Context. Right. Mm-hmm. That was actually a prevailing idea about sin. Right. The prevailing idea about sin and one's sickness was that whether it was blindness or whatever, it had to be attached to somebody previous. It was a manifestation of somebody else's shortcomings. That's right. So that was literally within the thought process of many people. That's why the question was asked. Was his mama or his daddy? And their foolishness that caused him to be blind. And Jesus said, well, he could speak for himself. <laughs> he's a grown man. Don't be asking me. He's a grown man. He can speak for himself. But it wasn't either of them. But his condition was that it was positioned so that what? The Lord would be glorified even in this. Mm-hmm. Now, check this out. People literally trying to find ways to detract the opportunity for this man's life to be changed. Right. You see what I mean? Why would you waste time laying hands on him? Yeah, he, he's not deserving of whatever it is you're about to give him. Come on, man. The brother at the pool, at the pool of Bethesda. I just need somebody to put me in. I just need somebody to put me in the water. He trying to talk himself out of a blessing. He's been trying to get down into this water for, for decades. Nobody will help me get down to the waters. It was so-called, so-called, that the first person that got in would get the miracle. That was, that was the story mm-hmm. behind it. That's why they were all around, With, that the angels would come to trouble the water, and whoever got in there first would get their healing. And he said, nobody came to help me. Now, if you go by the myth, at least, watch this. If you go by the myth, that means that somebody didn't even have the decency to see him in his condition and want to help him. Right. That's number one. Yep. Number two, here comes Jesus on the Sabbath day and says, you know what? I'm sick and tired of you not having a Sabbath. What is the point of a Sabbath? The point of a Sabbath is to rest after all things are what? Good. Right. Good. He cannot have Sabbath when nothing in his life is good. Preach, black man. I'm doing the best I can. You better go. You better go on with it. Everybody, everybody wants these different things, but when they're in a condition that they need something to change their life, and here comes Jesus. Jesus is actually the one that can heal. I got it, fam. Just... I got it. All he asked is, do, not, not do, do you want to get off your bed? No, he said, do you want to be made whole? Oh. That's creative. Mm-hmm. That's creation. Mm-hmm. His condition was not going to be recycled. His condition was about to be created. Ooh. Do you want to be made whole? Yeah. I've been waiting to get into the pool. He almost talked himself out of it. Trying to put, trying to put God in the box. And then he said, get up, (laughs) take your bed, and walk. (laughs) He got up, (laughs) 
<laughs> rolled up his bed, and walked out of there. That was creating something new. Jesus literally created an atmosphere for him to be made whole. Mm -hmm. And here we are as the church. We want folk to come into the building and the atmosphere is as dead as can be because Ooh. we have no expectation Ooh. that God will show up and create anything new. Yep. Sometimes we don't want him to. Say that louder. Sometimes we don't want him to. Yes, sir. And why would we not want God to show up like that? Because we have bought in to the empire mindset that the only one that should prosper should be those that follow this and that. And unless you fall in line with the culture, you shouldn't be blessed like me. Father, I've been here with you the whole time. Talk, man. I've been with you the whole time. He's been out here squandering. And now you're going to throw a party. I, nah. Nah. So... Everybody wants to see blessings and miracles and signs and wonders, but we don't even create the atmosphere for it. Mm -hmm. Because how could we believe that God would actually show up and create in that way? Mm -hmm. Man, I need God to create. I need God to move. I need God to do. I need, God. I need the Lord to do something that I can't. But if God ain't doing it, could it be because I am not preparing an atmosphere that has an expectation of God being the creator that God has always been? Say that again with Mike. Yeah, because someone needs to hear that too. Mm-hmm. Oh, Mike's not on. Okay. They get fired. People get fired up at coming to the churches cause all the hype and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then they see people go in the front and you know, then everybody's falling out and all this. They're like, well, what's going on? And then see them leaving out just like normal people. Nothing happened to them. They ain't praising God cause all of a sudden they could do this or do that. And so they're like, well, I don't know what's going on in that church. So it's too many people that are, are, are playing God mm. on earth yeah, and acting like they're making, they're doing miracles when they, they got to go upstairs just like I do, accountable. And, and here's the thing. This is, this is the other piece. I believe, and, and it's not because, and it's not because I've done anything. I believe because I've witnessed God move quick, fast, and in a hurry. Mm -hmm. I remember I remember a particular time one of my friends, she was still in school. We talked. And this, this has been years ago. And I called her up, check on her, and stuff like that. She was like, I got to sing. I got to sing tomorrow, but, like, my voice is completely gone. It's like, it's just, I was like, I'm not trying to hold you. Be like, but can I pray with you? Mm. I'll pray with you just to see if God you know, God move. Won't believe that God can restore to you even. I'm literally on the phone with her while in the car. I got her on speaker and I'm praying while driving. 
voice literally coming back, pain subsiding. Mm. She was back at full voice for less than 24 hours. God can work that quick. Now, God can work quick. God will work not on our time, but on God's time. Mm -hmm. But here's the key. The atmosphere has to be ready for when God wants to move. And that's the part where we, the only way I can say it, that's the part where we suck. Well, I think, yes. That's, yeah. Plain and simple. I, I can't say it any other yeah. way. But I think that, that that speaks to your third point because we get so, we, we want to, we don't create a fertile ground because we're so caught up in doing the same thing. That's that. Mm -hmm. That's what I should have said. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and if you aren't ready to disconnect from that into maybe what is an unknown, and you, you point three is prepare to make funeral arrangements. Prepare to make funeral arrangements for the past. If if you don't let that past die, you gonna you gonna die with it and in it. There is an answer to that myth. Mm. Mm -hmm. This is this is Dr. King. There's an answer to that myth. It is that time is neutral. It can be used whether constructively or destructively. And I am sorry to say this morning that I am absolutely convinced that the forces of ill will in our nation, the extreme rightest of our nation, the people on the wrong side, have used time much more effectively than the forces of goodwill. And it may be, and it may well be, that we will have to repent in this generation, not merely for the vitriolic words and the violent actions of the bad people, but for the appalling silence and indifference of the good people who sit around and say, wait on time. We have to make arrangements. We have to make arrangements. See, hardest thing in the world to do is make funeral arrangements. Because while you're making those arrangements, you actually are doing it while mourning mm -hmm. and recognizing that transition has to occur. Has to. It's inevitable. Yeah. That that that's why that that's why that that point was so necessary to me. I recognize that people, it doesn't matter if it's an actual person that's close to them or an idea, mourning takes time. Because as you mourn what was, you begin to linger in the memory of what was which then makes you almost unwilling to make those arrangements unless you are forced 
too. Mm-hmm. When people make arrangements, they have a timeline. Because if you want to use a certain funeral home, if you want to make sure that the body is handled a certain way and is treated with care, you have to do things within a certain period of time. You cannot allow things to linger because if you let it linger, you have to pay more money in order for the care and the preservation to be done well. I'm going somewhere. Yeah. It takes more capital mm-hmm. to preserve something that is already deceased. Then it does to recognize <laughs> that you need to finish the arrangements and say your last words oh, man. and say good night. <laughs> and the church of the living God has spent more capital on, pres- on preservation of the dead. And then got to spend more money on the back end because we couldn't keep up. Because we refused because we refused to keep up. Because now we don't even know how to deal with the living mm-hmm. that have moved on. Yep. And now we don't have what we think we need to have to move ahead because we have been wallowing in the memories of yesteryear. We just got on Facebook and, and now they're on TikTok. We're always two generations behind. Jesus. <laughs> and to answer the question that came out, yes, in general, in general, the church. Now we've we've established on the podcast. Everybody hasn't heard this. The church's organization, sure enough, been sleep, mm-hmm. but it's been sleep because of who's been behind the wheel. Who's behind that wheel of that vehicle? Mm-hmm. Church culture, which has been dead for a long time. Church culture drives that, when it drives that car, it's driving sleep at the wheel and it's been hitting a whole lot of people along the way. But the living body of Christ, we recognize what it's supposed to be because we understand how God operates and we want God to operate so that we can what? Get this thing on course. I want to get to you. Go ahead. Wears you out too. Morning wears you out. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Dealing dealing with those those emotions, dealing with those feelings, dealing with de- dealing with again something that you didn't have the choice of. This this change that was forced upon you. That's exhausting. So, there comes a point. There comes a point where we're going to have to look at ourselves. Get up and say, here lies what we once were. Man, if I could remember everything I said last year at at Clergy Day Apart, I did a, (laughs) and I don't know if they still have the recording, and um, at Scioto Ridge, they may not, but I was asked to talk about our experiences through the pandemic And rather than talk about experiences through the pandemic, I talked about that I came that on that day to say goodbye to the things that used to keep me bound. 
and I brought everybody basically to a mock funeral where I gave basically the last rites to the things that used to matter within the United Methodist Church. Say, here lies all the statistics and all the pressures of what it meant to be the church, the drama and the trauma of trying to be what others wanted me to be. And here lies those things. They had a good run. Had a good run. And they and they serve and they serve <laughs> and they serve their purpose. Mm-hmm. But in this but in this day and season, it's time to say goodbye. And I ask that you would all lay here at this casket all those things that now no longer serve you well, mm-hmm. and understand that God is now transitioning us from this point to the next. So as we come to this place to say our final goodbyes, we commit these things back to the ground, earth to earth ashes to ashes, and dust to dust. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't even get to say that part because the whole house said it for right. me. <laughs> because there comes a point where you have to. Now, here's the other piece. And we, we kind of end right about here because we're coming up on time. Do not take from this the that there's an, insens- there's an insensitive reality towards considering the past. I always bring up at Claire in some way, shape, or form. Claire has always been a progressive church by its very history because how can you exist in 1917 and establish a congregation with the founding member being a black woman in a time when women, and especially black women, were still not seen as equal, and establish a place for worship known as Clare Chapel, and it'd be around 107 years later, and you can't look back and see that God was already in the business of being progressive. Mm. How could it be? that at any point in 107 years, somebody may have forgotten that God was always about creating things new. So it is difficult for me, or it was difficult for me to hear people at one time talk about yesteryear when I can look back in history and see that yesteryear always had something moving forward. So if I am to keep to the history and to the great name of what God has created this church to be, it is my responsibility as a pastor and as a part of now this legacy to move things forward. Forward. Mm -hmm. Because going back would go against everything that God ever established. And what's the point? Like, well, why? So, so So here lies this sentiment once again from scripture the one who is seated on the throne said behold i am making all things new and that includes us amen amen my prayer is that this has been of benefit to everyone this evening we got so much yet to come as we try to hear from these modern prophets, hear from these individuals that spoke many things in it and pull from there 
things that can be easily applied. It's not easy. It's not simple. It is not going to be an easy process. Some people may rise from this and say to themselves, I don't want to hear another thing that you got to say. But let me tell you something. If you feel that way tonight, that actually means you are positioned for something new to happen in your life. Mm. You do not need to always have answers. Sometimes you should have more questions than answers. But hopefully you realize that you don't serve a God of the past. You serve a God of progression. You serve a God that is constantly creating. And you serve a God that is more than able to not recycle you, but to make you new. Mm-hmm. So as we leave tonight, I leave you with this. Be made new by the creator. Be made whole by the healer. Be delivered by the deliverer and experience your salvation over again by the savior. Know that you have been redeemed by the redeemer and know that forevermore you are created by a great creator. Live into being the created of the greatest because who knows somebody that you may meet may want to be created too. Amen. Amen. God bless you. And we'll see you here next week. Nope. I messed with y'all. We'll see you in two weeks. See, you got to keep people on your toes. See you in two weeks.